Hello! I'm Dylan Foley, and welcome to the first episode of Archives of Abella. The stories we tell are the closest thing to magic we've got, because they transport us to a new world. What comes to your mind when you first think of fantasy? Odds are, you're maybe thinking of a scene in the Middle Ages of a land ruled by kings and dominated by a castle. This is how we've been geared to think about the genre. What if we expanded our imagination to other eras of human history? There are great stories behind all the history of the world, full of wonder, and I want to tell them. So, I'm going to play with time like a baby with a rattle, and you're just going to have to hold on for dear life. This podcast is going to cover historical events in an alternate fantasy world I call Fabella. What qualifies me to do this? Absolutely nothing, other than the fact that I have stories that I want to tell, and it'd be great if you took the time to listen to them. No pressure. If you like what you hear, there will be more in the coming year. If you can't wait two weeks for a new episode, I have good news for you. You don't have to. The first two books in the Archives of Fabella series are on sale on Amazon right now. Bonus content will also be released on the official Archives of Fabella Patreon. Just go to patreon.com Fabella to sign up for bonus content, including show notes, extra episodes, art, and so much more. We're about to begin a very special journey. I'm Dylan Foley, and this is Archives of Fabella. Beyond our world, there is love. Beyond our world, there is war. Beyond our world, there is life. Beyond our world, there is Fabella. Year 10,035 BC. Life can be cruel. But no era in human history was more fraught with a never-ending period of punishment and fight for survival than the Stone Age. The struggle just to make it another day was very real. The grasslands and forests of Africa hosted the first batch of tree-climbing and knuckle-dragging humans. Early man lived in a world with nothing but what God gave them. Not many fragile infants survived long enough to even walk, and fewer made it to adulthood. There was no guarantee of food. People ate what they could get their grubby hands on, an egg, a bug, or, in rare cases, a beast much bigger. Hunting with spears was a test of endurance, hinging on whether the hunter could outwit their prey long enough to make the kill and not die in the process. Over time though, these nomadic people developed tools using assorted bits of stone and skeletal fragments. Little thought was given to what the future might hold. Nothing in the days man had lived before suggested that something wonderful was about to happen. 
Young Lucas grew up as the only child of a gatherer and a builder. His parents named him Lucas because this was his father's name. So technically, his name was actually Lucas Jr. Life expectancy wasn't so great back then. His mother passed away in childbirth. So Lucas was raised by his father. By age 16, he was an orphan and replaced a dead father in the construction of Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe was situated in a region between the Tigris River and the Euphrates. It was a barren land baked by the blistering hot sun, offering very little in the way of fresh vegetation. To any outsider, Gobekli Tepe was an ancient heavenly center of faith. The people were taught to worship their great father Malam and fear the spirit of death known around campfires as Hagios. Endless back-breaking construction made life hell on earth. This temple was a primitive assembly of stone within simple circular walls and T-shaped limestone pillars covered in designs of assorted wildlife. Gobekli Tepe was the height of humanity's architectural ingenuity. The massive construction project took the lives of Lucas's entire family. One goal dominated his natural life, push stones down the hill, hike back up again. Lucas couldn't remember doing anything else. Lucas had the same long tangled black hair, dark brown skin, and hazel eyes as anybody else. All he wanted was to be different. Anybody who stuck out in Gobekli Tepe didn't last long. It was best for Lucas just to keep his head down and wait for death. He had zero ambition or promise for a better life. Living until age 25 was considered ancient. If being anything significant were possible, it certainly wouldn't happen to Lucas. Every day found him dragging his wasted body up the hill. That was his life. The world never gave him any reason to believe life consisted of anything else up and down all day long. Then Lucas met her. Meeting the most beautiful girl in the tribe changed his entire outlook. This beautiful, effervescent maiden appeared when he thought he'd be cast aside to live a life of loneliness forever. It was as if a skilled craftsman chiseled her from his own heart. Midnight blue eyes peeked out from behind a mane of black hair. Strips of animal hide covered her chest, and a grass skirt tickled her feet. Lucas couldn't help being ashamed that his loincloth left little to the imagination. The way they met was more embarrassing than exciting. Sometime prior to Lucas's birth, builders of Gobekli Tepe Temple figured out that transporting limestone slabs on logs created enough friction to make pushing easier. Men rotated in and out on log duty, and it was Lucas's turn. Lucas had to pick up logs in the back and move them to the front with the help of a partner. 
The limestone would then roll across about 12 logs. Lucas was right in the middle of replacing a log when he tripped over a rock. He took a hard fall to the dry ground, and a radiant girl pulled him up. Back then, everyone spoke a language called Primish. In its most basic form, Primish was a short but hard-to-understand language. One word could have several meanings. Saya Lucas. That translated to, My name is Lucas. A smile graced the girl's face before she responded. My name is Adele. Lucas grew up alone and always figured that he would die that way. For the first time, Lucas found someone full of life. In a land full of brutality, two orphaned teens fell in love. Abandoning his duties on the construction of Gubekle Tepe Temple ushered in the happiest time in his life. Adele's beauty went far beyond her outward appearance. Her sweet, harmonic voice sounded like music as she introduced him to the world of art, taught him new words, and showed him how to dream. See those birds? Adele pointed to a trio of swans gliding along the shimmering surface of the Tigris River. What would they say if they talked? The idea of animals speaking was absurd to Lucas. They cannot speak. Why do you say that? Asked Adele. Lucas never had to explain his opinion to a girl before. Their primitive society highly discouraged women being anything more than a pretty face. They were supposed to accept a man's word as law. Adele openly rebelled against this idea. They're birds. Birds are animals. Animals cannot talk. Asserted Lucas. Adele was ready with a clever retort. Every animal speaks in their own unique way. Look outside of what is possible and think about what might be. Lucas looked very much like a Neanderthal discovering fire for the first time as he tried to ponder what Adele could mean by this. They had dallied by the river for too long. Everyone noticed someone's absence when they should have been working. People in 10,035 BC didn't know how to bathe, but they knew how to hold grudges. Lucas peeled himself away from Adele like a scab. We should go back to the temple. Great Father Malum will be angry with us when he notices we're not working. One man ruled Gobekli Tepe, and the people called him Malum. No one recalled the exact age of their dear leader. He'd been around for as long as they could remember. Malum rarely came out of the dark cave overlooking the rising temple built in his honor. Nobody knew what he looked like because they had never met their great father's eye. Lucas glimpsed Malum once before as a young boy, and that was more than enough for one lifetime. Oh, great father Malum never comes out of his cave. Gobekli Tepe is no temple, and Malum is no leader worth following. Adele pulled Lucas back to her side. Lucas marveled at the way this lovely girl dared to speak out against Malum. He'd never seen anyone who had the courage to do that. But Adele did it without batting an eye. Who are we supposed to look to for guidance? 
That's easy. Hagios, said Adele. The mention of the dark spirit known as Hagios made Lucas gasp. From their very first breaths, infants were taught to fear Hagios. For evil Hagios was responsible for all death in the world and would destroy Earth if given the chance. Lucas felt completely justified in asserting, Hagios is evil. Great Father Malum says so. That's the problem, Lucas. Don't you see? Adele brought light to the dark, untapped recesses of Lucas's mind like she carried a torch in a cave. Malum has corrupted the people of this tribe to worship him instead of our Holy Father. Hagios is a kind and loving force for good in this world. If you want to lean on anyone for guidance, go to him, not Malum. Hagios took my parents. For Lucas, this was an unforgivable act for any potentially trustworthy god. My family is gone. How can I put my faith and trust in a god that has taken everything from me? A tear slid down Adele's heart-shaped face. Hagios freed your family from the misery of this place. Don't you realize this entire land is a tool created by our great father to break our spirits? Thanks to Malum, men like you cannot imagine the world can hold any beauty beyond this place. Beyond? Lucas had never given life outside of Gobekli Tepe much thought before. What's beyond Gobekli Tepe? Someplace magical, said Adele dreamily. Lucas never loved another woman the way he adored Adele. Every ounce of his imagination fantasized about a future with her by his side. She never left his mind. They worked during the day, but when the sun set, they snuggled back in each other's arms. Their relationship was built on stolen glances in the day and complete oneness under the stars at night. Even the passionate thumping of his heart whispered her name. Lucas didn't know what to call this new lease on life. Love didn't begin to describe how his heart ached for her. He tried to explain his emotions to Adele, but his limited vocabulary failed to compare to his heart, so he decided to paint what he felt. Open your eyes instructed Lucas when his work was complete. Adele gazed at the tanned deer hide, splashed with blood and sand mixed with animal fat. Nobody ever called Lucas an artist, but he expressed the likeness of himself and Adele the only way he knew how. This, th this is me, right here. Lucas pointed to a blob of fat dripping off the hide. And um, this is you. His heart fell when he showed Adele his horrible painting. I know my painting isn't any good, but I wanted to show you my love, and I didn't know how else to do it. Adele's smile stopped him. Without saying a word, she walked over to the nearest grove of bushes. She returned with a handful of berries. Lucas tilted his head in confusion as she splashed each berry, adding color to the hide. Vivid hues of deep reds, blues, and softer violets transformed his messy painting into something alive, drunk with emotion, pain, pleasure, and joy. Their hands created an illustration of love. One splash of color explained the words Lucas couldn't say. Adele illuminated his dull existence. She added light to his heart. She colored his world. This is perfect. And Adele meant it. I wanted to show you my heart. I wanted to show you my love. 
You showed me our love, something greater than anything I could imagine. The word love cannot begin to describe it. What should we call this wonderful feeling? We can call it Fabella. Lucas and Adele's boundless adoration for each other became legendary in the small tribal community. Nobody believed anything could tear them apart. The tribe was certain that they would be together forever. No one in Gobekli Tepe lived very long. The relationship came to an abrupt tragic end shortly after it began. It all started with a sudden loss of appetite, then spiraled out of control with a high fever. When lovely Adele expressed her final breath, her spirit floated away. She got her wish to escape Gobekli Tepe. Lucas was alone once more. At that moment, the world became a different place. His color and light ceased to exist. to rest on a hill northeast of Gobekli Tepe. Overlooking the Tigris River, it took Lucas all night to dig her grave. Beads of sweat snaked down his emaciated frame. His hands clawed deep into the soil, digging and digging. Long past the point when his fingertips started to bleed from all the hard work. Adele always loved sitting on the hill watching the sunrise. Now she would be there forever. The blistering hot afternoon sun beat down on Lucas when he placed her body in a grave. Her gorgeous matted black hair flowed down her shoulders. Sort of like the mane of a lion. A vision popped into Lucas's head of Adele's face attached to the body of a lion with vibrant wings. Lucas shook off the vision. Adele was a girl, not a mythical part lion, part bird, part animal thing. She lay in the grave right in front of him. Her lessons in dreaming were phenomenal, but this began to get out of hand. Picturing his departed love on a non-existent animal had to be a crime against nature. Such a beast couldn't possibly exist. Only real magic could make it happen. 
With each pile deposited into the grave, Lucas's mind drifted closer to the mysterious feline invading his dreams. Lucas dashed away through the rolling hills past Great Father Malam's cave and through the wheat fields of Upper Gobekli Tepe. He didn't stop until reaching the mountain sanctuary. Etchings of various animals all over the land covered the T-shaped pillars. He never sculpted anything before. Regardless, Lucas seized the first flint hand axe available and attacked the nearest pillar. Lucas hacked away at the limestone pillar. When the flint hand axe broke, he picked up another one and continued hammering at the limestone. Blank, oblong eyes, Adele's eyes, appeared first. Tight spirals down the sides mimicked her dark matted hair. At the bottom, Lucas carved four paws, a stark contrast to the human features dominating the top half of the pillar. Finally, he added the mouth, curled into the kind of smile Adele always used, right before saying, Fabella. His work attracted a crowd. Men and women from all over the hilltop sanctuary admired the strange figure. Designs of animals from across the ancient land, birds, foxes, snakes, and wild boar covered the pillars. The roughly chiseled image of a mismatched half-girl, half-lioness defied all logic and reason. Everyone froze before the sculpture utterly stupefied by what they witnessed. What is the meaning of this? The huddled mass of people dipped low. Lucas found himself staring down at Great Father Malum's feet. The pungent stench of death emanated off of him. So much dirt covered the chieftain's feet that it was hard to tell where the earth ended and Malum's tall, robust frame began. No one ever looked the revered leader in the eye. To do so would mean certain death. Lucas was so close, the hairs on the edge of Malum's wolf-hide robe rubbed against his dirty face. His heart hammered inside his chest, beating so fast, his whole body throbbed with each beat. He felt like he was about to drop dead any second. Malum's cold, sweeping, deep voice addressed Lucas for the first time. Why did you carve that figure? Because I saw it. Lucas's bone-dry throat made it difficult to talk. You saw it? Grilled Malum. So there is a vicious half-woman, half-lion beast roaming the land. No. Great father. It was in Lucas's best interest to answer as fast as possible. I dreamt it. It isn't real. Ah, uh, so you defaced a sacred pillar to create an animal which doesn't exist? Malum's voice hit Lucas like a spear to the heart. Yes, replied Lucas. Louder. Growled Malum. Yes. Lucas shouted as loud as possible. Malum turned to the crowd. Such a despicable work can only be the will of Hagios. Gasps, muttering, and angry calls for Lucas's death circulated throughout the assembled crowd. Do you regret your actions? 
demanded Malum. Yes. Lucas tossed aside his flint hand axe. I'm sorry for what I did. The tribe's voices rang out from the thick crowd, all calling for Lucas's head. Silence. Malum hauled Lucas inside the cave. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Intense fear gripped Lucas as he stared into Malum's empty, evergreen eyes. Great Father Malum's sharp, angular face twisted into a crooked smile behind a hooked nose and peeling, dead skin. Spiders covering the dark cavern walls scuttled away with fright. Repeat after me. Hastas, Eratas, Utas. Arcatas. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas? The cavern floor began to quake. Lucas hovered on the edge of death. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. Again. What does this mean? Continue. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. Good. Again. Eyes on me. Don't blink. Maintain the connection. What am I saying? Again. Malam's powerful, booming voice caused stalactites to fall from the cavern ceiling. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. A large broken stalactite tumbled down. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. The jagged stalactite stopped short of clobbering Lucas in the head. It hovered for a moment, almost as if time had frozen. Before zooming back up, it picked up speed, showing no signs of stopping. The stalactite collided with the ceiling in a mighty thunderous blast. Entire mountain shattered. The massive vortex swirled above, tearing at Lucas's frail body. At the same time, a plume of crocodile green smoke billowed out of Malum's robust frame. Yes! Roared Malum in triumph. The force of the vortex pulled at Lucas's long, tangled hair. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. One more time. All it needs is one final push. I, I can't. Say it. Lucas could barely speak, but he summoned the strength to say the mysterious words one last time. Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. A brilliant blue beam of light burst out of his chest. Light spread all over his body, making him glow with a godly energy full of all power in the universe. Lucas ceased being a man and became something more. Year 1, FY, Fabella year, equal to 4000 BC, Earth year.
Hastas, Eritas, Utas, Arcatas. Those four magic words tossed Lucas through time and space. 6,035 years on Earth passed in a blink of an eye. He was no longer on Earth or anywhere resembling it. A crushing, dark abyss surrounded him. Only his conscious mind existed. There were no visible signs of life. No cosmos stretched out to eternity. Not a single shred of Earth existed. Complete and utter darkness. The only comforting thought of this new experience was that Lucas had some semblance of a body in the form of a twinkling blue star. This was certainly no body, but it was better than nothing. His shimmering blue star darted left and right, up and down. Finding no salvation in sight, darkness went on forever. The endless dark abyss was a bleak unhappy place. Lucas's thoughts drifted back to home on Gobekli Tepe's mountain ridge. All of a sudden, bright, vaporous lights in every color imaginable appeared, twisting and contorting in the darkness. Soon, the lights all joined together, swirling as one, growing larger and larger. In the wake of this twisting aurora, a crusty, spherical planetary surface appeared. The surface below quaked. All the tectonic plates moved as one, turning the once even crusty shell into a rough-hewn land. Slabs of rock crashed into each other with so much force their jagged ends created towering mountains. Other plates diverged. Rivers of lava flowed all over the world. Lucas shed his blue light on the land. He'd been thinking about Earth, and this wonderful new world came into being. Next, he pictured his old body, hoping the same thing might happen again. And it was so. Lucas morphed back into his physical body. A light blue and lilac robe covered his lanky frame. He felt better now that he could open his blue eyes, eyes he missed and was glad to have back. The colorful vapors arced overhead, casting luminous pigments on the desolate wasteland below. They illuminated the harsh, dark world just as Adele's crushed berries brought color to the messy painting. Extreme heat wafting off the searing hot magma had no effect on him. He put his hand in the lava and let it drip from his fingers like water without the slightest twinge of burning pain. The crusty spherical surface of the alien world in front of him certainly wasn't inviting. Wave upon wave of searing hot magma crashed into the beach made of ash. There were no trees tall grasses or rushing rivers teeming with wildlife. It looked like a land straight out of some hellish nightmare. Something had to be done about this, and Lucas had the power to bend the forces of nature to his will. A blinding light illuminated a landscape peppered with canyons, mountains, and erupting volcanoes. 
Then came the rain. Clouds from the volcanic eruptions combined with the shimmering lights above to bring the first drops. In a matter of seconds, a massive flood cooled the world. Everything became submerged beneath the deep blue sea. Water parted from water, forming the churning sea and white cloudy sky. Lava burst through the water surface, cooling into jagged continents and scattered islands. One of them was a tiny speck of a tropical paradise shaped like a burning torch. The sensation of emerald green grass tickling Lucas's bare feet gave him a sense of accomplishment. Nothing compared with his first glimpse of the serene shoreline. The crystal clear blue ocean stretched so far into the horizon that it was hard to separate water from the endless blue sky. Exotic palm trees reached up to the heavens. Rivers tenderly leapt from mountain ridges. Fields of vibrant flowers tall as trees sprang up from the soil. Molten lava receded into volcanoes. This is where it begins. This is... Fabella, mused Lucas to himself as he watched the new world take shape. Lucas paused for a while to soak in the splendor of his creation. Then the sorrow of being completely alone set in. A life of loneliness would not be his eternity. He would create life, enough to fill Fabella for ages. No shortage of brothers and sisters who would be there with him for all time. For one brief shining moment, Fabella was quiet and unspoiled. Now it was time to create intelligent life. Waves crashed into the shoreline, leaving a pile of seaweed and sand in their wake. Each crashing wave brought with it more sand, shells, and rocks, shaping the body of a person A broad, robust frame. Short, stubby fingers. A heaving chest. Round ears. Two ocean blue eyes. Wiggling toes. The final wave washed away the sediment, leaving behind a hairless youth with sandy skin, a thick neck, and short, wide frame. Fabella's first form of intelligent life, a dwarf. Dwarves were much shorter than the average man, only reaching a height of approximately five feet tall. Lucas made them hard workers, dedicated to achieving one narrow-minded goal, a sure trait to lead any tribe. Lucas commanded him to wake up. The dwarf opened his clear blue eyes, rise bid Lucas. The dwarf had never done anything before, but somehow he understood. 
Even though he never used them before, he instinctively rose to his own two feet. He wobbled a bit on his thick knees before falling back on the sandy beach. It took 12 more attempts for him to stand, then he promptly tossed himself back down again because he enjoyed the feeling of falling. The dwarf understood how to speak, even though he never moved his lips before. What am I? Lucas tried to formulate the best way to break the fantastic news to this pile of sand that it was now a living, breathing being. You are a dwarf, the first person created on Fabella. Fabella? It didn't take Lucas long to realize that he should have given the dwarf more brains. Lucas would need to nurture the dwarf like an infant, even though he was a fully formed 10-year-old dwarven child. Fabella is the world you inhabit. It is everything you see in this tropical paradise and more. You will call this world Fabella, just as you called me your creator, Lord Lucas. Oh, okay. Anyone with eyes could see the dim-witted dwarf's confusion. Who am I? Choose. The right name will come to you, prompted Lucas. The dwarf concentrated on a name. He thought for so long, Lucas wondered if something was wrong. Finally, the dwarf opened his big mouth and proclaimed, My name is he who pees freely. Fabella couldn't have the foundation of the world built on the shoulders of someone named he who pees freely. This name wouldn't do at all. A better name would be needed. What about Cole? Suggested Lucas. That works too, I guess, said Cole with a shrug. The word intelligent didn't describe Cole in the least. As Lucas gazed at his new creation, he became convinced Cole was a bit below average. Lucas had to spend the first several minutes of creation scolding him like a child. Get that coconut out of your mouth. Don't eat the sand. Pay attention when I'm talking to you. Stop scratching your butt. I don't want to smell your feet. The next batch of lifeforms would need to be smarter. Cole was an okay job for the first time, but Lucas could do better. Creations were always inferior to the creator. This beach, this place where life begins, shall always be known as Adele. Proclaimed Lucas. Naming the first island after Adele was a no-brainer. Lucas wished that he could see her face again. Honoring her memory with a budding community would have to suffice. But Adele was not a civilization. At least, not yet. One life form made for a lonely community indeed. To have an incredible paradise such as this without billions of people enjoying its splendor was a travesty. It was time to create more animals and people to share the glory of this world. Evolution took far too long. Lucas called upon the environment to burst into life as animals. The result meant entire species appeared from what had been a collection of rocks. People of all shapes and sizes sprung out of the bark of trees, rich soil, rolling ocean, and even flower petals wafting in the breeze. Each race still retained the pigment of whatever natural medium they sprang out from embedded into their skin. Fabella now had life forms just as colorful as the world itself. Creativity never was Lucas's strong suit. Most of Fabella's biological life was a combination of different animals found on Earth. 
Phoenixes were proud birds attracted to heat whose plumage shined like fire. Serastes were great horned snakes who slithered through the wild grasses of the plains. Giants were parrot-like one-winged birds capable of flying only when joined with a mate. Sasquatches were eight-foot-tall apes with large, flat feet who lumbered through the forests. Unicorns were horses with a single horn protruding out of their foreheads. And of course, there were sphinxes. Lions with human heads and bright wings. Flocks of the sphinxes with Adele's wild mane combined with a gorgeous lioness body brought tears to Lucas's eyes. He wished Earth did not have to end for him to enjoy such beauty. It only reinforced the fact that good came from the most horrible of disasters. Aside from the new animals frolicking around Fabella, there were 12 very different kinds of people. These included humans, normal men and women without unique biological characteristics, fawns, goat-like beings equipped with horns and hairy shins ending in hooves, goblins, people with tough, leathery skin and the ability to adhere to level surfaces, making them expert climbers, elves, people with multicolored hair and pointed ears, harpies, Bird people with huge wings capable of carrying them into the air. Mer people, amphibious people who lived mostly underwater. Dwarves, stocky folk a little smaller than the average human. Trolls, short, ape-like people with colorful hairy bodies and a finger-like toes. Antics, small people with bug-like antenna which glowed in the dark. Centaurs, horse people with the upper half of a human and lower half of a stallion. Minotaurs, cattle folk able to walk upright like humans. Slithtars, snake people who slithered around the jungle floor. The assorted people of Adele, or Adelans as Lucas decided to call them, were happy. Lucas loved walking around the tropical paradise, watching flower petals dance autonomously through the air. Trees flexed their growing roots. Huge mushrooms and giant flowers sprouted from the ground. Fabella was less reality, and more a magical dreamland. Adele flourished under the new people birthed into the world. The small, budding community became so much better than expected. All the fantastic new animals accomplished, at least for a little while, what they were meant to do. They helped each other and shared what little food they had. Not a single soul walking the land experienced a moment of darkness. That was the way Lucas wanted to keep it. Fabella would fulfill its promise of becoming the paradise Earth never was. Then a curious thing happened. People of this new world began to sin. It all started innocently enough with the first white lie from a goblin. Then it snowballed from there with the first theft when a dwarf stole a harpy's rock which then led to the first fight. Soon, all 12 groups of people were screaming themselves hoarse. 
attacking each other with vicious words and taunts. Every one of these early instances of sin were accompanied by a frightening dark blue plume of smoke. Lucas seemed to be the only one who could see this mysterious dark cloud. Nobody else could see that it was controlling them, taking away their life force and sucking out all the good in the world. Then this punishing dark force took the first life. Death had now entered Fabella and the world was irrecoverably changed. People began killing innocent animals to feed their starving stomachs. Lucas placed fruit and vegetables on Fabella for the specific purpose of feeding his people. There was plenty of fresh produce to be had and no reason at all to resort to hunting wild game. Once people tasted animal flesh, they were forever tainted. The food Lucas gave them to pick from nature wasn't enough and they became bloodthirsty killers. Just when Lucas was at his wit's end, a brilliant emerald star suddenly appeared to him. It hovered silently in front of him, as if the celestial body was surveying him from head to toe. Lucas got the odd sense the star was silently deliberating on passing judgment the way a father might over a son who had made a mistake. In an instant, Lucas knew this bright green star was Hagias. Adele was always confident in the good nature of the spiritual force, despite the way Great Father Malum led everyone to believe this was the god of death. There wasn't any doubt that the unjustified fear which accompanied Hagios on Earth had been based on lies. The mysterious sense of trouble suddenly hit Lucas. Hagios came for him. The serene spirit didn't need to say a word. Something had gone seriously wrong. Lucas exploded into a beam of blue light. He felt freer than ever before, free from bondage, free from persecution, free from hatred, and free from fear. Time, space, and all knowledge of the universe bombarded him. For a fleeting second, Lucas thought the silent Hagios had tricked him. Then, everything came into focus. The chant Malum made Lucas recite opened up a new plane of existence, an alternate universe from which Fabella was born. No world could exist without positive and negative forces guiding its development. Malum was the direct opposite of Lucas, where Lucas was a peaceful spirit of light for Fabella. Malum's true form was a wicked, blue cloud of malice. They were both gods capable of molding Fabella into their image. A swirling blue vortex linked Earth to Fabella. Lucas plunged through the gateway with Hagios to return to the world he once called home. The unbelievable destruction that met him as he crossed back into Earth was far worse than he imagined. An army of colossal spiders created by Malum crushed the world with every step. Parts of Earth's crest floated into space. Forests burned. Skeletons littered the ground. The only living things on Earth now tore it apart. Earth was virtually gone. It would be completely destroyed in a matter of seconds. Hagios led Lucas directly toward Malum. He was a sick, 
suffocating cloud of pure evil. No light could penetrate the malevolent, vengeful spirit's crippling dark cloud of smoke. Lucas couldn't reason with an evil spirit who didn't understand logic and lived only to bring about pain and suffering. Malum's sick, evil voice surrounded Lucas. I started to wonder how long it would take for you to come to your senses. Pity it was not in time to save Earth. You served your purpose. I'm done with you. We are not finished. If he stood back and did nothing, Malum would go on to corrupt the people of Fabella. Adele wouldn't allow that to happen if she was a god, and neither would he. This isn't something I planned for, but this is my moment. I will make whole what you've broken. I will shed light on the darkness, and I will always be there to stop you from corrupting the world with your wickedness. The vortex connecting Fabella to Earth was still open. Lucas knew he had to get to Malum to propel him back to Fabella where he couldn't do any more damage to Earth. He sent a barrage of lightning bolts sizzling against Malum's punishing dark cloud to distract him. Malum dodged Lucas's incoming attack. Impressive. You've learned a new trick. But you forget, boy. There's still one part of Earth left to destroy. Lucas looked down to see the hill where Adele's body lay still untouched. Malum tore an entire mountain from the charred earth and hurled it through the air at Adele's hill. Hagios broke the mountain into a thousand pieces, clearing Lucas's path to Malum. Lucas smashed into Malum with an explosion of thunder that shook the entire earth. Malum gained the upper hand and forced Lucas down, down down to the ground. Lucas collided with the ground so hard the earth was cleaved in half like an egg. Malum didn't stop. He kept forcing Lucas down through the earth's crest until they reached the very center full of molten rock. Lucas repelled Malum's dark cloud into the flaming core of the earth as it split apart. Malum exploded out of the core, Lucas was ready for him, and caught Malum, carrying him up back to the swirling blue vortex. Malum ferociously tried to rid himself of Lucas's grip. The two gods tumbled through the air on their ascent, so embroiled in their embittered battle that it was impossible to tell who was really in control. Lucas's magical bright blue light wrapped around the crushing pillar of smoke that was Malum like a sizzling electric snake. Malum's massive form swirled like a cyclone, upending entire forests with hurricane force winds. Lucas used his power to gather Malum's cloud into a ball of smoke. Before Malum knew what was happening and had a chance to react, Lucas sent the accursed ball of smoke zooming toward the vortex. Malum was almost to the gaping portal between worlds when a gargantuan, crocodile, green pillar of smoke smashed into him, diverting Malum from his course. Hagios shimmered beside Lucas as the emerald and sapphire godly lights were dwarfed by two mammoth clouds of hate and disgust. Lucas didn't know who this other green cloud belonged to, but he was able to connect the dots. 
This hellish cloud had to belong to the person chosen to replace Malam after he became the negative force of Fabella. Such a person had to be the most evil and despicable waste of life in the universe for them to be chosen. Lucas launched himself at Malum as Hagios tussled with the dark green cloud. Blinding flashes of blue and green lightning rebounded off the cruel, dense, smoky adversaries. Explosions of thunder sent shockwaves across the destroyed earth. There had to be another way to get Malum to Fabella. Lucas had to get him as far away from Earth as possible before he could do any more damage. Malum tossed Lucas into the moon. Lucas struggled to right himself as his light graced the powdery lunar surface. The gaping circular portal to Fabella swirled like a cyclone. As he tried to right himself, Lucas saw the vortex move ever so slightly. A thought suddenly occurred to him. Using his boundless power, Lucas took control of the vortex and found that he could move it. This took a great amount of effort and power to accomplish, but it was possible. Lucas flew at Malum. Malum tried to throw him again, but Lucas took control of him for one brief moment. That was all he needed to move the vortex under the devious cloud and send them both tumbling through the portal back to Fabella. The final pieces of the planet split. Earth ceased to exist. I'll battle you for eternity. You won't punish Fabella as you did Earth. We've been blessed with a new beginning, and I will not have a foundation built on bodies. I am the Lord of Fabella, and will always defend the hope and faith of my world. Don't get too attached to Fabella, boy. I am the bringer of evil and destroyer of life. You're no match for me. Do your worst. Adele gave me the love I need to fight you till the end of time. This doesn't change anything. All the people of Abella will bow down to me. You'll see. I'll corrupt your creation to the point where you won't even recognize it. Lucas repelled Malum's dark spirit with a brilliant heavenly burst of light. Bolstered by the memory of his lost love, Lucas soared into the sky to bring light to Fabella once more as its golden sun. Pieces of Earth floated through the vacuum of space in a formless, empty, chaotic mess. Skeletons of man and beast were baked into the crust. Not a single living thing survived, but that did not deter Hagios. Great Almighty Hagios remade the heavens and the Earth. Now the Earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then there was light. 
Wow. And that's going to do it for us today. If you like this episode, I have great news for you. You can subscribe to get more episodes right in your feed. There's a lot more at www.archivesoffabella.com, including an ever-growing encyclopedia of creatures and characters in the Fabella universe. Please support this ongoing project by subscribing to Archives of Fabella on Patreon at patreon.com slash fabella for exclusive content including audiobook segments, notes, polls, and so much more. Be sure to rate the podcast on iTunes. It really helps to get more listeners and my ego in general. Books are available on Amazon in ebook and paperback for you to delve further into the series. Archives of Fabella is created, hosted, and edited by Dylan Foley, with music by Garrett Ferris and Audio Blocks. Lucas was played by Phil Six. Adele was played by Christina Duncan. Malum and Cole were played by Dylan Foley. As always, look outside of what is possible and think about what might be. 